1: What's good, Internet? It's November 8th, 2022, and you're listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 4- 521. I'm your host, Rob Zachney, and I'm joined by Ricardo Contreras. Hello. Patrick Klopik, Just a feels stamp, baby. And Renata Price. Video games. Uh, so I just got back from, ma- like, I guess I wasn't mailing off my ballot, I was dropping off my ballot, uh, at, at City Hall for the, for the election tomorrow. Hmm. City uh, Hall, does that make you feel,
2: like, your vote feel more important by yes. taking it to City Hall instead of to a mailbox like the rest of
1: us? Uh, well, so, the thing is, I don't think I could have mailed it. Remember, the election's mm-hmm. tomorrow, uh, mm-hmm. so... Well, they make,
2: the mail, I think that they, don't have, they don't have to arrive, I think there's, like, there's wiggle room there on the... The, I forget.
1: I'm, but, I'm not. Uh, I'm not
2: so confident. Uh, okay. Because All right. I
1: was. I was given strict instructions uh, by MK. Like okay. you need to take this to City Hall and put it in the ballot box okay. uh, drop off. Okay. Uh, I thought it was like maybe like Rob's getting
2: up and putting on his his wedding suit. It's got his. Oh, mail, just getting mail, mail, just mail. getting
1: full like lib brained about it. Being like, isn't democracy <laughs> this beautiful? This is. I am the I am the resistance here in my hand. <laughs> No this this was me being like uh, yeah I, I it it took me forever to don't let the mail fuck it up just take it directly to the source that yeah and we waited too long trying to figure out which way we wanted to vote on question three uh which was a really like who cares but it was like <laughs> uh the the question three in Massachusetts is like do we want to limit how many people like how many liquor licenses any one business can have. And I was like, that's a weird question. It is. Right. So you're like wondering what is it? What are the arguments? So it turns out what the thing. So what the question actually implies is sort of a battle between big box, like not big box retailers, but like mass, like chain retailers who want to have a wine and liquor section and the like liquor stores that have existed for a long time, uh, you know, that want to not have to compete
2: essentially like this like this this broader trend towards like your 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 walmart's your targets like everywhere carrying everything and it's all good enough so you don't have to go to the like specialty stores
1: right uh so yeah the 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 sort of concern is that if you don't cap the limit they will continue buying up licenses um from the actually the businesses they're shutting down uh huh. and then you know there won't be like small there won't there'll be very few like small neighborhood like liquor stores there'll just be a ton of supermarkets and such with, uh, liquor sections. Uh, the, the, key thing is they're not adding more liquor licenses, uh, as part of the loss, which is why there's this sort of, you know, it's a bit like the medallions issue with cash. I was going right? to say, it's this like, sounds very much like the medallion situation in New York. Right. So there's, there's, that's kind of, that's kind of one of the keys, uh, this whole thing. And there's actually like, there's decent arguments like for and against. So naturally we, uh, hesitate on it for weeks over so a question fundamentally we don't care that much about, but it was just like huh, this, I don't is, know
3: to, huh. this is deeply what do we do this is deeply the Zachney household to me deliberating yeah. over a question that does not really matter for several several
1: weeks hundred hundred percent uh but you know, well also you have to fill in a little bubble uh, so it's like a quiz you want to make sure you get it right um that's that's how it feels when it goes to the scantron I want the scantron God. to be like good <laughs> job you you passed voting um the, the, so wait so oh is is are, are you getting more liquor licenses or not where do we come down crucially we're not getting no that's the thing nobody's getting more no liquor. i know no i
2: mean like or, i guess we're sorry i was i'm a friend <laughs> i'm a friend of the mom and pop uh okay so yeah I was, that's, I was that's that like, seemed to be my that was my gut on that on your yeah your I, analysis of it
1: and, and look it's not stopping the major stores from having their own like sections it's just they're not going to be able to carpet the state in, in that. Mm-hmm. There's they're gonna have to leave some for, for smaller firms. Uh you know, the the one I'm I'm sort of most hopeful about is the tax the shit out of people question. Uh question one on the <laughs> Massachusetts ballot, which is just a uh like special tax on people making more than one million dollars a year. Uh yeah, just a- we, we lost our fund <laughs> tax thing in in,
2: in twenty eighteen. That's like Illinois famously has just horrible finances and th- there was a there, there was a referendum to the in broad strokes, like, what if we stop doing that? And like, what if we tax the shit out of some people that should be? And that didn't go through. So Illinois continues having a stranglehold by some pensions into lots of bad decisions from decades ago. Listen, Patrick, yeah.
3: what if we all make a million dollars one day? You know? And one um, then we'll you know, regret it once we all make one million dollars But then, a then we'll year. have to
2: make a billion dollars. If we're all making a million, I'm not superior to
3: Right, anyone. exactly. And like I think that's why it's unfair.
2: You know, we just got to buy Powerball tickets. Can we, Waypoint Plus, buy us Powerball tickets? (laughs) Jesus Christ. Christ. Uh, What's the ethics on that uh, one? It's up to like 1.6 billion. I mean, you know how many
1: Twitch streams that'll unlock, folks? We, get I mean, look, we should all buy a powerball ticket to be clear. like the your odds of winning go from zero to like point zero 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 one percent, but that's huge like zero is nothing but like once you once you got a chance to win mm-hmm. jesus that that changes the game. this is dark um, Waypoint <laughs> and also if the if the family liquor stores go out of business, where am I gonna get my scratch offs all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. What
0: did what did Google
2: what did Google tell you?
1: I heard scratch offs. Google though. told me. Google told me where I could buy. Google told me. Okay, Patrick, I need you to understand how long Google has been listening to this conversation. Mm hmm. It just directed me to a place called My Scratch Offs in Maryville, Illinois. Wow. Southwest Illinois. Okay. Uh, he, I Rob, are you, do some, is it possible
2: that is some sort of like AI traing, triangulation? Is that where I need to go to get the Powerball ticket? That's
1: where the winning Powerball ticket is. Google, uh, Google Assistant. gave, is gave, gave to help it up. Out. <laughs> wow. uh, nobody, nobody tell Joseph that happened uh on this podcast yeah. <laughs> nobody no no nobody nobody you're saying that's not
2: good opsec uh by the waypoint team i, I feel like what I even feel triggers like it, was, it
1: i am trying to figure out did i say something did i use the word google at any point in that i don't conversation? think so
4: i don't think so this is why i'm well, confused then, like what are you look, even but the hey and
1: the g can sometimes
2: like that'll happen with my phone as well, yeah, like, you know, with the Apple stuff, Maryville's four hours away, it's a bit of a hoof, it's a billion it. dollars. Patrick, it's true. It's done by saying, Oh, it's right out of right out of St. Louis. Interesting. Oh, see, so you okay. well,
1: hang on St. Louis. Well,
2: I could go to Springfield on the way, really drop off my ballot, like the heart of democracy in
1: Illinois. That makes the vote even more powerful, <laughs> exactly. Um, so anyway, uh, that's that's how that's how I'm already been. That's the state of our democracy. That's the state of uh our privacy as it were uh but there's also been some games uh going on uh i want to start with you uh you've been playing a bit of bayonetta 3 yes Uh, why don't you why don't you catch us up a little bit like where where, what's your past with bayonetta and uh you know where where are you finding yourself landing with bayonetta
3: 3 i really like the bayonetta games I'm i'm a huge platinum games fan because my brain likes how they feel um Metal Gear Rising Revengeance is easily in my top three video games. It's like my top five video games, I think. Maybe top ten. Um, I just absolutely adore the way that game feels. It's the only game I replay. Uh, I will go back to Metal Gear Rising Revengeance at least once a year, sometimes a few times a year. And sometimes I just, like, if I'm having a bad day, I'll dip into the Jetstream Sam boss fight on the game's hardest difficulty and try and play it perfectly. Because it's just such a like, excellently choreographed fight. Um, and so, I really like Platinum Games. Uh, Bayonetta um really excellent it was my introduction to Platinum and I really really loved the first two games. Um Bayonetta's combat. Where does
2: Vanquish? Where does Vanquish rank on your
3: on your Platinum rankings? Bro. Vanquish uh-huh. is so good. I love Vanquish, Vanquish so something. much. Yeah. Vanquish actually wait, Vanquish may have been my first because it was a PlayStation Plus free game on the PlayStation uh-huh. 3. When I had a, uh, when I lived with my, when I was like staying with my dad on the weekends, uh, and he had a PS3 there. And so I would play Vanquish um, on the PS3 whenever I visited. And Dad, come look. I can smoke in this game. Exactly. (laughs) Um, And so absolutely love platinum games. Bayonetta 3 oscillates rapidly between some of the most mechanically tight combat that Platinum, an expressive combat that Platinum has ever designed, um, and a fucking mess, and it just oscillates between those two points rapidly, so Bayonetta 3 does a few things, one, it introduces a bunch of new systems to the game, uh, I believe this is the case, or I may be misremembering Bayonetta 2, but... In Bayonetta 3, you can actively summon demons that you start controlling instead of Bayonetta mid-combat. Yeah, that's new. Yeah, that's new. So basically, you can toss an enemy up to the air, juggle them, and then summon Gamora, for example, and then Gamora can start juggling the enemy for you, and then you can release Gamora, jump up there, and then start fighting the and start comboing and juggling the enemy with your own combos. It's how how are you like like physically
2: doing like are you like holding like a yes a but, like how 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 are you like s- striking and releasing
3: that? ZL does this so holding ZL okay. will summon your other demons uh, and then Bayonetta stops being able to move. Uh, and so basically you are passing the controls over to this other demon. Um, and when you release the your control snaps back to Bayonetta immediately. That's really interesting. It's really interesting. And also really good because you can equip up to three demons. So basically you are swapping between your two weapons and three demons constantly to try and find the best combination possible for a given circumstance or for a given combo. Uh, The game also adds a bunch of different uh, traversal modes for Bayonetta. Uh, Each weapon has its own transformation because previously you would just transform into the Puma, right? Um, Right. Now Bayonetta can transform into basically each weapon has its own form. So like the big hammer has Bayonetta turn into this like big arm, little leg guy who like gallops forward uh, and has jet boosters on his hands. Uh, and so when she jumps into the air, she can charge up and then shoot across the map. Um, it's really sick. Uh, the Or the yo-yos that she has access to now um, let her turn into a big spider lady uh, who can then, like, shoot mm-hmm. her web and, like, swing the fuck around. It's all...
2: Mixed feelings on that one, but I, 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 I like this for her specifically.
3: Yeah, it's all really good. Like, it feels great, uh, these parts of the game... Uh, The new enemy type, uh, because the first game's focused on the angels and demons of heaven and hell, this new game focuses on man-made bioweapons who are trying to uh, basically collapse the multiverse into a singularity, into one universe, by basically stamping out other realities. That is their. Why? Why? Are they just tired of those
2: angels and demons? Come on. Get off our earth.
3: It's not even getting off our earth. It is because the, I believe heaven and hell are not multiversal. The world of chaos, which is the world we live in, is a multiverse versus (laughs) heaven and hell, which are singular universes. Okay, sure. Um, I buy it. Why not? Yes. Which is why the game is like, oh, heaven and hell are locked off you do not go to heaven or hell in this game like you do in the previous games because they're being locked off by these enemies, right? The enemy types are fine. Um, They are like, they have the standard Bayonetta progression of little guy who looks like a man to big guy who looks like a man to this is just a bore again uh, to weird guy with face, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all the way up the the traditional um, character action game enemy hierarchy right all of this so far is great it's stellar i'm so i'm thrilled but um i am someone who likes to play all of the challenges um in a video game that i'm playing uh, even if i don't finish the game if i don't finish the game that's fine but i want to if i go into a level i want to do everything that is offered in that level um And so Bayonetta has always had these challenge uh, rooms where you go in, you fight the enemies, and, you know, there's like some special condition. For example, you can only do damage during witch time. Uh, And so you can only do damage if you just dodge an enemy perfectly and you go into the game slow motion, right? Not a problem for Bayonetta, but Bayonetta 3 adds a second major character, Viola. And Viola's whole thing is that she, like Raiden, Uh, From Metal Gear Rising, has to parry in order to get witch time, Uh, and Viola's parry is, I think, one of the most frustrating things I've ever encountered in a video game. Uh, It is, it has some of the tightest timing on a parry that I have ever seen, Uh, and so what caused me to come to this realization? Like, oh, I don't think this game was like, is is I think the mechanics are well-designed. I don't think the levels and encounters are well-designed. Was uh, The thing that made that fully click for me, because something felt off about the game the entire time, was one of these challenge rooms that asks you to, in the first time you have access to Viola, uh, complete a fight using only Witch Time with Viola's parry mechanic. And if you parry an enemy well, you go into Witch Time for one hit worth of time. And so it is the most frustrating version of that possible, where you hit an enemy once, you start your combo, you leave Witch Time, you hit them again, and it bounces off. Uh, And just repeat that ad infinitum. Uh, Unless you parry them literally perfectly, uh, at which point you will go in for, like, maybe a combo's worth of Witch Time. Uh, And then you have to kill a bunch of enemies uh, with this uh, prereq, right? And it is unbelievably frustrating i spent about an hour on it and this is like this the thing that gets me is that like i'm someone who likes parry heavy games i will play souls games as a parry heavy player i love sekiro i love metal gear rising Revengeance. i know what a good parry feels like this one feels really bad it feels it feels They're hard not to do though. Good.
2: like you you just name checked some of the most like <laughs> like a plus in making a parry feel good yeah. uh they're hard to do yeah. like that. That was something that someone that doesn't like parrying in video games, but deeply respected what Sekiro accomplished in making that feel uh, like it felt good. I didn't enjoy doing it, but th- th- that was me, not the game. Yeah. Um, th- basically, anything I've played outside of that. I mean, Souls is much spongier, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and then you have games like uh, the, the Star Wars one where, like, you could actually, like, change the parry window yes. as like a, a as a way of like empowering the player in terms of how they felt about it like it's just difficult to do and i it almost seems like this game could have used a sort of like parry window modifier to some degree if it w- if it wasn't going to nail it yeah. right like if it's not going to nail it and make it feel good and it's going to make it so intrinsic to the moment to moment um I, I could see how that could be
3: uh a yeah and you're playing you're playing like not entire it, it is its this is a bayonetta game. You play primarily as bayonetta. You do not jump over to Viola that often. I've I've done it.
2: To say this seems like also uh, heightened by your min max way of playing. Yeah,
3: of course. Per
2: level, yeah, right? of course. Like in which the average person may just go, "Okay, I'll I'm
3: I'll, gonna just, I'll just skip this, this instead challenge. of spending <laughs> yeah. an hour beating yeah. your head against it." Um, mm-hmm. And I recognize that's a failing on my part. I'll I'll fully I'll fully cop that, but. The other problem with Viola as a character is that... You remember that summoning system I mentioned before? Right. Mm -hmm. Viola's version is she throws her sword in the ground and then summons Cheshire, her, like, uh, familiar demon. So if, like, Bayonetta has Madame Butterfly, uh, Viola has Cheshire. When she's doing that, she loses access to her block, which is her primary... Her only defensive maneuver Um, she can kind of dodge, but not in the way that Bayonetta can. And then when you release that, when you release Cheshire, the sword takes time to come back. So there is like five second gaps where you just cannot, or like three second gaps where you just cannot engage with your primary defensive maneuver, uh, that do not feel like they are. The game's encounter design does not feel built around that limitation in mind. It does not feel like enemies are taking that into consideration or that you are being asked to strategize differently when you are passing over to Cheshire because the whole thing with Viola is that Cheshire and her can fight at the same time. Both of them act independently of one another. And so you control Viola while she's fighting in hand-to-hand combat as Cheshire fucks around in the background. And it's a real bummer because like, the encounter design, when it gets bad is really bad. And that includes like Bayonetta sections too. When the game's like actual, these are the group of enemies you're fighting falls apart. It's a huge bummer. Um, And it is leaving me with a pretty sour taste in my mouth. Um, Especially someone who likes the series a lot to see Platinum fall short on encounter design, which is something that I would say that has been their specialty for over a decade. Is... Did you play
2: Astral Chain, the other no. one on Switch? Okay, that I didn't. I I downloaded it, never got around to it. Austin was pretty mixed on yeah. it. Um, I know that game got a pretty mixed reception. Austin was in the didn't find it to be all that interesting camp, or was like, very mechanically dense, but not all that fun to play. That's what I remember about um, his comments.
3: Yeah, I mean, like this game feels, from what I understand of Astral Chain, like if you combine Astral Chain with Bayonetta, because it is all about mm-hmm. combining these two. Or combining two characters' movesets at one time and trying to build combos between two characters, those being your demons and, and Bayonetta herself. But also I think the narrative's bad. I think the I think the story is 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 poorly delivered. Um But when it's working, it's working great and is some of the like most fun I've had with a character action game in a minute. Uh and so you, but, I was gonna say
2: like as long as they didn't fuck up like the bay like too badly the bayonet I mean like the Bayonetta two is an I-, I didn't play the first yeah. one but the second one is absolutely like I have a soft spot for some of these character action games you know the last Emily cry I would highly recommend like Ren if you never played the most recent DMC it is it is well worth playing um uh, because it like it's it is just it's it has a lot of the I think spectacle and fun that maybe sounds like is. There's a simplicity to DMC, yeah. I think 5, uh, while having all the complexity you would want, and you can sort of just figure out how deep you want to go down that rabbit hole, yeah. and you can still have a great time moment to moment. Um, it seems a little bit like what's happened here with Bayonetta 3 is in the the search for complexity, they've lost some of the... There was so much depth to Bayonetta 2, but again, it's similarly, part of my favorite part of a character crashing game can be, I don't know, how deep do you want to go down these systems? We're not going to ask you to go all the way, and in fact, Bayonetta has historically done a good job of having game modes where it's like you just kinda wanna like it has like a I don't know what they call it, but like a mode where like you kind of all the special moves just sort of happen. Yeah. And uh I know that is still true here. And I always greatly respected the series for having recognizing that people come to these games for different reasons. Obviously given some of the reactions, some of the story beats in this, like people are really attached to the plot and characterization. Other people are here for the really tight um uh, like character action styling. Some is a mixture of both, and and often it's just the spectacle. Like these games are such when they're at their best, like beautiful bullshit spectacles right. that are just you sit back and go, who the, who the hell came up with right? This? Like
3: the cutscene choreography still has that in its best moments, which is like one of the okay. things I love about Bayonetta is like choreography that like makes you absolutely furious at every other piece of sensationalized media you have ever encountered, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to, after I play a Bayonetta game, I never want to watch a Marvel movie again in my fucking life because what's not going to happen in that is uh, someone's going to go flying through the side of a building, land in an office chair, spin around in the office chair while firing dual pistols at a giant monster attacking them and start throwing them around an office. It's, there's nothing like it. And so it is, again, the moments where it's good, it's good, but it's so inconsistent. Um, And that's Mm. a real disappointment. Um, And like the new systems they've added are in some ways optional. You can play it as the Bayonetta games that have existed previously for the most part. There are some enemies that can only be hurt or have to have their shields broken by your large demons. And you technically have to use them there. But for the most part, the game is not going to force you to use those systems. But when you use them all together, it is incredible. Um, one of the things they added is at the end of every combo, you can tap the uh, ZL button to to summon your demon for a single hit. And so it is basically like a combo extender that is super high damage and super flashy and just keeps uh, the cycle going. And it's, and it's really sick when it lands and when it feels like Have everything's you- working properly.
2: There's been a lot of, like, the technical analysis of this game has been pretty rough in terms of how it looks. Frame rate, like, seems like it's bumping up against things. Has that been something that's impacted your experience?
3: Like, has it forced you to play more, you know, docked versus handheld or anything like that? I have pretty much exclusively played docked uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, One of them being my Joy-Cons have a broken um, right stick. uh, And so I can't click in the right stick, which is something you have to do in this game. Um, to like lock onto enemies properly. So I can't do that. Um, but it doesn't, the game doesn't look good and not in a like, oh man, the game doesn't look good. (laughs) Like, I I don't think, I think it's like art direction is frequently kind of mid, uh, it is trying to ride a line between sensationalization and hyperrealism. Uh, and the switch hardware or the textures that they have made cannot keep up with that line. They cannot ride the line, technically. That the art style so obviously wants to. Um, that's a huge bummer because um, I think these games could be really beautiful. Got a bayonetta game with like a full console power behind it. Delicious. It's
2: weird because like Nintendo saved this franchise from disappearing like they are solely responsible for financing you know bayonetta 2 allowing bayonetta 3 to exist so it's 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 like one of those like you know it was a bit of a monkey's paw it's like i want bayonetta to continue but also not a nintendo hardware would be nice but that you know we're not we don't find ourselves in that situation there is like uh i don't know which trailer it is someone at digital foundry had, had tweeted it out but there is a trailer for bayonetta in which look you can see the higher res, sixty frame, like locked, like cleaner version of this game. It exists, Ugh. like on a dev kit. Right. It's just not the one that runs on on your Switch or or maybe on some hypothetical Switch Pro or whatever direction they go in in the future. But I've, I've I'm kind of I'm I'm very excited to play this. But I have so many other things I'm playing, yeah. and I'm sort of I'm not holding out hope for a PC version. But I am sort of holding out hope that maybe if I wait six months. I could get, like, a cleaner version of this game yeah. that would be a little... It wouldn't fix up some of the mechanical stuff you're talking about. But um, it does sound like this is one of those games where it's a spectacle game. Like, it's mo- meant to be visually arresting and overwhelming. And when played on, you know, 10-year-old mobile hardware, like, it's not shocking that it starts to run into some issues. Yeah.
3: I think I think it is a game worth people's time is the, is the thing that I will say. I think that for all of my, like, gotcha. caveats, I think that, like, if you like the series... Um, playing through Bayonetta three is like will be fun for you, um, at the very least.
1: It'll be entertaining, if not the thing you want it to be. That seems like a good setup for uh, our next our next game that we want to talk about. People wanting things to be something else, going fast, performance, uh, <laughs> expectations, <laughs> weird <laughs> legacies. Uh, Patrick, mm-hmm. you've been. You've been playing Sonic Frontiers. You know what?
2: I mean, uh, there are participation trophies that sometimes you can hand out at the middle school, uh, you know, athletic game. You know, we're glad you showed up. Yeah. You had real ambitions. You tried. Um, (laughs) Time to go home. Figure out what to do next time. Uh, Sonic (laughs) Sonic Frontiers. Sonic Cycle spins again. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Is that, is that a setting on my, on my washer? The Sonic, the Sonic cycle? cycle? just Uh, Son of Her Tears. Yes. Yeah, the, uh, brand new, uh, open world, very Breath of the Wild inspired, uh, Sonic game.
3: I mean. The distance between you the, saying you, that and inspired was really delicious to me. <laughs> I mean, you just cannot, I mean, everything from twinkling piano
2: keys to, uh, what were those things called, uh? croc seeds is not that what you're collecting in breath of the Mm -hmm. wild and were there like little little creatures were those crocs yeah 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 yeah. there's like just those they're also here (laughs) and you're collecting them um uh uh you know are you saying
1: that sonic dressed up as breath of the wild for halloween
2: yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, like that is 100%. They played I mean it is so they played. But it's like Sonic's played. little
1: homemade costume of mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm Breath of the Wild.
2: Yeah, me too. Me too. Me too, Sonic. Uh and so I've been I've been actually I've been rooting for this game. Um Oof. uh the re- the reaction to its announcement like when it was shown has been pretty poor. It's had some r- really rough like press showings. The trailers have been sort of hard to 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 parse, but as someone that doesn't, my, I've been trying to figure out for a long time why I don't care for Sonic games. I love Sonic Adventure on Dreamcast, but like beyond that, like the the series has never really done anything for me. I, I actually, uh, I, I find them fundamentally too chaotic, uh, in which you are just sort of zipping from one end of the l- uh, level to the other. Right. And the reason that like the Mario games work for me is I'm I find a lot of pleasure in the more precision style of platforming, and Sonic is just not. It's just not that. It is like. Got to go fast, and by going fast, you're like zipping through all of the level design, and the levels are in at their best designed to reflect that. And so, but I've just never been that's just never clicked for me. It's never worked for me. As a Sonic Adventure, I think the reason Sonic Adventure on Dreamcast worked for me was because it slowed down, had fast sections, it had slower sections, and it introduced the notion of like more precision platforming with Sonic um, and got it actually closer to a Mario game. And that's, there's a reason why that one worked for me. And so with Sonic frontiers, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the Sonic games are like all over the map. Depends if they're made like in America and Japan. Like there's, there's a whole, you can go down a whole rabbit hole of, of how these games have have and haven't worked out. And broadly speaking, they haven't worked out. Like that is like, a, as a whole, Sonic is like a pretty poorly managed, extremely popular franchise um and sonic frontiers is sort of this attempt to well you know yes it's breath of the wild but also generally it does make sense on its face sonic is a character that goes extremely fast Mm -hmm. like people like playing games with giant open spaces isn't there probably room for sonic to do something there like on paper that makes a lot of sense to me like setting it in like sad Techno robot cyberspace cyberspaceville or wherever they have done here where the piano music constantly makes you like Sonic needs to go to therapy and like needs to get out of this place and like not try to save his friends, but actually he's got some issues he needs to work out. Um it's a little odd. It's it's it it's also a, sounds uh, it's just an odd game in general. Problem. I'm like, I'm, I'm gonna play I'm all like, of this game. What? I'm gonna play every minute of it. Wow. I have never it's so audacious. Like, it shouldn't exist. Like, it It does have strong, I am someone on YouTube, I am a Sonic fan that has created an Unreal Engine 4 tech demo vibe. Like, there's a billion of these, especially mm-hmm. for a lot of, like, Nintendo games because Nintendo doesn't, like, embrace new technology and all the fancy new Fidelity stuff. And so you'll see, you know, go, go search on, on YouTube, you'll any number of these. And Sonic Frontiers looks like and I, mean, and I mean, I do not mean this to sound as derogatory as it's going to come across. Looks like a fan project sort of thing. It's like, what if Sonic was on an island and it's a big open world and I liked Breath of the Wild, so I've put in some Breath of the Wild stuff here. And
1: the Sonic team... But also, also it's Sonic got like the fan team fiction team. thing of like, but also I want this little like character I'm really invested in to go through some things that resonate with me now as an older person. Yeah, and I like, guess. I, I don't know. Be- I just
2: think, I just... it's. I- <laughs> Like, the story is not as – it is not as though – Breath of the Wild relative to – well, I don't know. Zelda oscillates in a lot of different directions in terms of its storytelling. But Breath of the Wild was a fairly adult story by um, Zelda standards. But it was also kind of light in that it wasn't really in your face, right? There was so much to do in that world that had nothing to do with some of the heavier themes that were actually occurring uh, in in that world. And Sonic Frontiers has all of the veneer of that, the aesthetic of, hey – Adults, like I know that Sonic movie is really like popular, and the kids really like Sonic right now. We're like, <laughs> hey, like here's the game. Here's the game for you. Listen, to that sad piano, isn't it adult? Isn't this mature? And it's like, like no, like it's just I don't know. Sonic, he's a blue of-
1: <laughs> He's a blue goddamn hedgehog.
2: Like they uh, they felt the hum of the Chaos Emeralds <laughs> at some weird island where some robot stuff has gone on I, I I genuinely have no idea what's going on in the story but it's it is fun to run around as Sonic like that part is enjoyable the platforming is it's not nearly as tight as you'd want it to be they try to they try to account for that by just thousands of objects that you can home in on this is sort of what they the solution they arrived at in Sonic Adventure originally is that how do you handle an extremely fast character that is not really about precision in a world in which you're going to need to ground them? at various moments and, and the way they, they stumbled, the, way they, the solution they stumbled into was like, well, any object, lots of objects in the world like a, like the bumpers and things like that. Well, Sonic can home in on those and kind of like shoot like a bullet and that will then frequently adjust Sonic from a 3D space to a more controlled linear space or, or, or even off on a 2D space by like strapping them on a rail that they're jumping between sections. And a lot of that stuff is here and it's okay like it's such a weird like i don't it's a game that you know i don't know how much i would recommend people playing it but it's such a fascinating swing that i i just can't help but look away i was away from it for about a week because i was playing a bunch of god of war then i played about 45 minutes this morning just to sort of wrap my head around it and i was like this game is so fucking weird who greenlit this who let them make this and it's not even because it's all terrible it's it's interesting it is a ultimately a pretty mediocre game right like i think but i think if you go into it with the right mindset of like it's just such an odd oddball creation i i like i i just maybe i won't survive 20 hours of it but like i'm gonna play a couple worlds of this because i just want to see what they there are some really like neat ideas like for example um uh, there are these uh, giant creatures. I haven't even talked about this game. It's got fucking combat and parries yeah, and dodges. What? Like,
4: yeah, that's that's also it's
2: all here as well, like a Smash Brothers game. Like, <laughs> and also here. Sonic and Parry. Um, but like you know, in the world, these all these different giant mechanical creatures. Um, and one of them are these big, ones swooping ones in the air, and they have this kind of like trail behind them, and they're very difficult to sort of figure out how you're going to get to them. It's not like there's like a specific spot where like, well, I'll hit this bumper. It'll shoot me in the air and I'll be hanging around uh, with this, with this enemy. Um, You kind of just occasionally will be roaming around the world, doing miscellaneous tasks. A lot of this game is going to different markers in the world. Uh, One of the big mechanics here is you hold triangle, at least on a PlayStation controller and uh, it kind of locks it starts leaving this trail behind Sonic, and then you have to complete a, a circle. It kind of locks the camera so that you can then move Sonic uh, uh, into a, a circle. When you complete that circle, it can, like, cause damage to enemies. It will, like, sort of unlock things in the world. It's sort of like a universal key that Sonic can use in various spots. Like, in one spot, it's it's like, oh, here's this mysterious object that needs power. Okay, well, Sonic will do a circle around it, um, and then <laughs> one time. You've seen the oh, Flash? Really? this morning one of them was uh a lot of times you come to these markers and you're not really sure what you're supposed to do but you know there's like kind of a puzzle here and you're supposed to mostly it usually means what does sonic need to go in a circle around and in this case it was there was a pile of leaves and i needed to go in a circle around the pile of leaves which then blew away and he was able to stand on a a button that you know, fed him a a collectible object that you're trying to get. But so there's these creatures in the air and one time it swooped down and I was able to use my jumps to get on the back. And then all of a sudden you go into this really thrilling and spectacular sequence where like the Sonic games when they've tried to emulate the speed of 2D in three dimensions is like a fixed camera behind Sonic and you're just going straight and you're hitting these things that you're locking onto you're going like the game is constantly taking the control away from you so it can do sweeping camera angles and it can do loop de loops and then it sets you back on this this track that you were going on uh in front of you and here that track is being dynamically created by the creature and you're also doing this thousands of feet in the air so you're controlling sonic like going between these different rails and also, like, mountains are sweeping by you. Like, like genuinely kind of, like, beautiful s- landscapes are happening while you are locked on to this really exciting, fast sequence uh, that's happening, you know, like I said, very very much in the air. Um, and there's just not enough of those moments. Like, mm. Sonic Frontiers is a game, in its combat, in its platforming, in its exploration, is full of a bunch of... It feels like a rough draft. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I'm... It's, it's not quite a prototype, but I... You know, there are games where, oh boy, like, we just need to move on to the sequel. Because there's some interesting things here, and I'd like to see what you did with them. But, like, that's not really the case with what they've got going on here. And so it's the kind of thing where I temper recommending people checking out. It's like, if this shit was on Game Pass, like, yes! Like, download Sonic Frontiers right now to go see what they were trying to do here. Um I don't know if they'll be capable of pulling that off in a sequel. Maybe it gets more interesting as it goes along. But I like it when franchises that don't really have an identity. And I don't think Sonic has much of an identity. I think it, it, it like lost a lot of that in the transition to 3D. Uh, takes a big swing. And it's easy for me to say because I don't look forward to new Sonic games. I was just looking forward to something interesting. And they landed on interesting. I don't know if they made a good Sonic game. But I have spent... I've had worse times with bad games, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and like, this is a, this I think is a incredibly interesting bad game that I, I'm delight I'm, I'm, I'm going to be delighted to spend another 10 hours picking at.
3: Yeah. I, I've heard friends describe it as like an unreleased alpha build, uh, that yeah. just like if someone just leaked, it's, it's, it, the footage I've seen is, is wild,
2: it's really rough like it's just rough and's like it's rough technically it's rough mechanically it it feels like the game needed like another two years like if you if you were to you know had Ooh. gone if some a friend of yours worked at Sega and like they showed you this' you're like okay like yeah I I could definitely see how could this be cool when it's finished and it's <laughs> and it's not, it's not like the game's crashing or anything like that it just <clears throat> feels extreme. like the comparison to a fan project it it feels like the team biting off something enormous and and just not really knowing what to do with what they were biting off like the, it's, funnily enough the combat feels like some of the most solid stuff they have in the game like it is like the way the combat transitions almost in like a jrpg like the way like you uh like in an old school jrpg like swoosh time to go to combat mode that doesn't like exactly happen here but like it sort of does where like you'll be just Spinning around, like going, you know, boosting away, and all of a sudden, like six enemies appear, and then you go into a di- completely different mode. Like, the combat feels fine. It's not great, but it's not bad. It has decent bones. Like, I think that's my general takeaway from Sign for Tears. Like, decent bones, they didn't build on those bones particularly well. um Like, the game is so scattershot. Like, it's obviously also. Like oh my god, this land is so big. We have to put so much shit in it. What are we going to do? (laughs) And like, like the the, one of the mini games that you find everywhere. I've now done it three times. Is like hey Sonic. um, There's just this circle, and then you're gonna run a circle around that circle. It's gonna activate that circle, and then a volleyball is gonna appear, and you're gonna hit that volleyball. Through that hole at the right angle, are you going to have to do very much to achieve that angle beyond just jumping and hitting square? No, <laughs> but you did it, Sonic. You got that. You got that ball through that hole. All right, you've clu- you've opened up a little bit more of the map and and things like that, where that is indicative everywhere is like they've built a big space. The space isn't super coherent. It's pretty looking, uh, but then you've got to fill that space. And it's one thing where, I have a Breath of the Wild, where there were not things every two feet right. in Breath of the mm. Wild. Um, it was a game in which you actually wanted to be alone, exploring, and like having those quiet moments. The problem here is Sonic is fast as shit right. and is going to get to things really quickly. And so it's like a big space that feels really condensed because they don't really know how to pad things out in, the mo- in an appropriate way. Um and so it's just really scattershot as a result. Just an interesting failure, like an interesting mess. I I think it would be a shame if they weren't given a chance to like iterate on this to some degree because it's the most interested I've been in a modern Sonic game. But again, I'm not the target audience. I was mostly just like this seems like an interesting open world 3D platform game that's doing something different. Um, I could easily say, see Sega being like, I don't know. Let's just go make another one. One of those old Sonic games and <laughs> take a fifteenth whack at that and, last... and see if it'll work. Uh, the problem is those fifteen whacks haven't worked. I'd rather than just shake this tree a second time and see if anything anything comes out.
4: At least in 3D, because like you know, the last <clears throat> thing that anyone said it wasn't any good was the the 2D Mania, right?
2: Well, Mania, so, uh, yeah, they they released that Sonic Colors game. You know that got an update. Although my understanding was that that re-release was not very good. Mm-hmm. Um but like that was one of the last like 2D 3D games that people Yes, yes, you're, you are, you are right Kato. Like pro- the most appropriate thing to do here is probably just to keep making Sonic Mania games. Like
1: I think so- I think Sega pay itself ben Schwartz to do a like Telltale style game around Sonic and just like sure, I mean. comedy writers take a whack at it. That is not a bad idea, <laughs> frankly. Um
2: well, it, I it, I mean, it, go ahead.
4: Um that's just like brought to mind are there other people in this game like is there are you talking to anyone yeah Amy is got
2: it... sucked into the Amy got sucked into cyberspace she's a some sort of rope like she's stuck in cyberspace I, I'm, I'm <laughs> collecting little heart orbs that I give to her that are apparently making her whole again okay. good for Amy <laughs> nice. I guess okay I th- I, wow I, I think move I, I death sh- stranding I meant
4: more of the like NP like you know one of the big things about breath of the wild is like
2: no, going none to a, of that. going to none Hatendo
4: Village and being like, "Oh wow, look at all these people like living a life after the apocalypse. like what what is it like to survive no, after this isn't no... shit or like, you know, there's not there's
2: not there's no other like no, they're a zone they're like you're in a zone. and like me, mm-hmm. I mean, I maybe it changes, but my understanding is like these are individual ecosystems, mm-hmm. right? Like right now, I'm in like rainy grass mountain area, and there are other ones going forward. but there are, there is no attempt here. And this is actually this is actually part of the problem. Is like because they need to fill the space with things to do, uh-huh. those things to do are always something mechanical as opposed to like this isn't a game this game uh presents as Breath of the Wild right. adjacent, but then has none of like the storytelling heft or like it's not this isn't a world where you're going to like spend a lot of time trying to understand what happened. Are there characters here? It's like, no, like I don't know, I ran into I was collecting those croc things that – I don't know what they're called here. But then I hand that to a dude who says he's stuck in a dream and he upgrades my speed. What? what? Okay. <laughs> um And it's just like the pieces don't fit together. Uh-huh. Like it's just – like that's like a lot of what's happening here is a lot of pieces that just don't quite connect. Like where individually I can sort of see what they're going for but holistically – it's, it's just it's just it's very it's very messy um but it is fun to run around as sonic and like the like the like having an entire space for like the pipes that they can lay down and the rails they can lay down that you can kind of like skate between like that stuff when it works it works um i just yeah that broadly speaking the game is kind of a it's an it's a really interesting whiff um but uh i don't know that it's much more than that uh, at least on the hours I've played so far.
1: Uh, all right. Well, I'm regrettably sold. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to contemplate the, all, everything you said. Uh, we take a little break here and we'll be back with the second half of the show. I'm playing some games from this year as is my want. Ah. You know getting modern oh. getting with the kids. <laughs> wow. with, with this year. Yeah. Are you? Uh yeah. And you know I I like to check in on what is the new hotness with the kids, uh what everyone is losing their mind over. Uh, so naturally I'm playing PGA two K twenty three. Yeah, well you play you got a little taste of outlaw golf, and we're like, I've oh been I've been golf pilled like Robin Robin Cotto. Well, <laughs> so, okay, the but here's bathroom. the thing. This is a long dormant part of my personality. My dad uh-huh. and I used to play Lynx, uh, Access Software. Yes, Lynx the, 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 like series. the quintessential, mm. like back before Windows had
2: there were games were still on DOS mostly, but Windows had a couple of games and one of them was the Access for the response for the Tex Murphy games. And they yes, they and the reason they were so impressive at the time is because they were like Mortal Kombat and Tex Murphy. They were using FMV to capture like the swings like of the characters. And it looked
1: incredible but way. Le- the FMV was fine. The fact that they used uh, photographic capture of every position yes. on the golf courses yes. uh, oh. was also incredible. And so and they like one of the first like really brilliant uh it wasn't DLC model. It was a mail order expansion uh, model where they would keep adding uh, famous golf courses uh, to the to the game as it went on. And so my dad and I used to play a bunch of this. Um, and so, but yeah, you know, I fell off. I fell off golf games uh, for a long time. And I heard some good things about the uh, the developers of this before they got hooked up with 2K. Uh, they made a game called The Golf Club. Um, and I think that's still on that might still be on Game Pass, uh, as, as a matter of fact, but uh, was a I think unity powered um, like golf game that, again, had a really good like user user created content model where tons of tons and tons of courses uh, made it made their way into this thing. One of the real value propositions, I guess, was, uh, you know, if you wanted to play like a virtual version of like. Some weird hyper regional like golf course that you were familiar with like if somebody probably created it uh anyway, so now they are making uh now they're making the officially licensed p g a game for two k uh this is uh h b studios is the is the studio and so i will say that uh you know like the the funny thing is it is I I know it's terrible for you but like oh, it feels like a fucking unity game. But there are some sort of presets that exist in Unity that people just do not fuss with and one of them is just the way menus are done and appear and just the way interacting with them feels like and that's basically just straight in just like all like all the default menu like stylings that you're used to seeing in a in a, in a lot of unity games uh is is here but weirdly wedded to 2K's like payola microtransaction model uh and so it has this weird aesthetic of like kind of feels like a like goofy little like indie golf game uh but then also is like do you want to buy virtual golf balls for a few bucks here sure you do champ they're better than what you got in your bag wait oh um, so
2: like they, they they do the thing where well, this is true like in real life there are different types of golf balls that have different weights yeah. and you know mo- for most people don't just buy the cheapest bag of shit you got to be the,
1: really good before that shit starts it. yes mattering. like you have to
2: actually if you if you are someone that can actually put spin on a ball which is probably not you then those things don't matter but they <laughs> they charge for those in
1: the game that's not just like part of a loadout there's there's like I, I I haven't gotten too far into this but okay. I think there's like premium currency and then there's like free currency well of course it's a 2k sports game so <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> um, go read any of Luke Plunkett's uh, reviews
2: of uh, 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 NBA 2k uh, over Kotaku which is just a yearly exercise in Luke being like fuck you fuck you fuck you which is like a good basketball game buried under just layers of gambling um, in a way that is uh
1: really disheartening so Anyway, so I, I I got up to speed with this game. I did the tutorial and everything, and I, my first reaction was, it's too easy. Uh, I went out there wow. with my the golfer. <laughs> and too easy me. Like, to well, well, is like, this a
3: preamble, Rob? Is this a preamble
1: to, oh, yeah, yeah, it's too you, e- Yeah, you okay. know where it's going. <laughs> yeah, got you it. know what's up. Perfect. Thank you. Thank uh, you. So I go out there in my first round. It's sort of the qualifying for the tour thing. It's sort of the, the basically tutorial step of your uh, of your golf career. And I go out there. I shoot six under par. I just absolutely shred uh, uh, TPC Sawgrass. And I'm like, this is like this doesn't have any of the weird, like the the cool thing about Outlaw, Outlaw Golf was that it had things where if little things went wrong it would be harder and harder for you to play well, because it would sort of get at this notion of like golfers go on tilt. They go on runs and they go on tilt Mm -hmm. and outlaw golf kind of like leaned into that. And it's, it's goofy, uh, frequently offensive way. It got at something that feels true about golf, uh, which is that like one of the compelling things about golf is you will see people just absolutely shred a course one day. And then, collapse uh mentally emotionally (laughs) physically completely the
2: next well and and that's true of a lot of sports but sports games in general while i'm not an expert in them essentially remove that psychological element from the act of play because it's a it's a it's a randomness but it is golf is probably like the truest form of it where because it is essentially a solo sport like the way you get in your own head can like oh maybe i am gripping this well i'll just Grip it a little bit to the to the left a little bit more and then it'll be fine and then you slice it you know a hundred yards to to the side and and just don't want to play anymore so it's, you're right that is i I found that a very interesting part of that game in which most sims uh I just don't even touch
1: and I was like yeah I missed that I'm, I'm just I'm still like shredding this this game uh second round i I'm sure like if I shot six under uh I'm now tied for the lead of this golf tournament uh second round time to put this thing away So the second round comes around, and uh, I hadn't, so I was a little bit inattentive. I was playing while watching some football, Mm -hmm. uh, but what I didn't realize was that the day I shot six under, the wind had basically been still, and the greens had been like average speed, and so like shots went straight, and when you putted, the ball tended to have a predictable, like it rolled in a really predictable way. Uh, and it was slow in a really predictable way. Mm-hmm. the second day, the wind has picked up to about like fifteen miles an hour uh steady and I hadn't just in, like I hadn't seen how this game handles this shit uh <laughs> to begin with, and so I started lining up my shots like normal, and right out of the gate like first the first shot, it goes up there, and I watch it like it breaks above the tree line, and I watched the wind just grab it. And just move it uh, <laughs> like entirely off the fairway oh, and drop no. it into a bunker, uh like like a hundred, hundred and fifty yards short of the uh of the green. And I was like, huh. Okay, gotta be a little more mindful of the uh of of the wind, I guess. Um, you know, the second shot, now you're like gotta drive it out of the out of the bunker, uh, but you're still you're still kind of in range of the green. Uh you're just kind of really uh it's you're basically going to loft it out of the bunker
0: mm-hmm. arc it high
1: and it's going to land on the green didn't occur to me that type of shot would make the wind stronger <laughs> like if if what i'd seen on the driver mm-hmm. was one way this thing was completely different where it was like the minute it came out of the bunker it's like i just watched the thing get like rocketed across the course and uh into another deeper bunker mm-hmm. uh near the green and so the like so I was like, okay, I need to take account for the wind. This is before I started dealing with the different pin placement and the speed of the greens uh on the second round. The first day I'd been like two-putting every hole at worst, just unstoppable. This time I had no intuition for what I was supposed to do. And so I was I would be lining up like eleven put eleven foot pots and I would do what felt like the right thing where the way this game works um so you set a target distance for your shot Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and the power meter adjusts to show like where your your sweet spot is for uh i'm using a three click system i don't want to fuck with true swing uh there's like a ring where if you fill the meter out to this uh this white ring in the display uh that's the that's the band for the correct amount of power you're putting into the shot and if you hit that that also makes the timing easier for the top of your swing arc and the bottom of your swing arc you want them to roughly fall into a straight line up okay. and down um and it's more forgiving if you are in the like correct power band if you try to overpower a shot like if you really really want to drive the hell of it hell out of it Uh, those, those bands get really narrow and the swing, the swing meter, I think actually gets faster. So the timing gets harder anyway. So the thing you will often do, like especially putting is you will set your power for, for a point a little bit beyond the hole, but you're also expecting that because the slope of the green, you'll be aiming a little bit away from the hole. And as the power, as the ball sort of loses momentum and is like taking the, the curve of the grain, uh, it's all going to level off and work out and it's going to sort of trickle into the hole in that way. And the first day, it, it, it roughly worked that way. Uh, the second day, I was doing this exact thing where it's like setting power for just a little bit beyond the hole. I was putting off the green, <laughs> bro. Like oh, no. I would watch, I would watch the ball like start to start to move, and I was like, "Ooh, that thing's that thing's really moving." And it would just not have any of the. It was like, "What is happening?" Like yesterday, yesterday it would start to slow in this British fashion, and this time it would like roll past. And also because the pin placement, I think, was just purely sadistic. It would roll past the pin, and then it would find like the slope of the green that leads far, Can far you get away. To watch from it the go pin away. Is. I like <laughs> Rob, I, I had this. This happened to me in real life. I was playing
2: I was with my brother in law uh, uh, a couple of years back at the at the course they they frequent, and we both had kids, and it was like, "Let's try and get out like for literal like the first like sun's coming up. We'll go out there at six a.m. Like hopefully we can yeah. just go out there by ourselves, um, and just kind of speed through it. And so we did. And what we didn't realize was because we were first, we also frequently were waiting. For them to essentially like buff the the greens like there was someone out there with some machinery to make the the grass like as flat as possible. If you go to putt on those greens the moment after they've done that, it's as though they have put grease all over the greens. (laughs) I would line up and do exactly what you're talking about where I'm like, time to just tap this thing, gonna play it safe. And it's like it was a rocket boost to the moon. And it was just like shoot across. There were three different holes where I just said, bro, I'm done. Like, I'm not I just fine. Give me the eight. Like, I'm not I'm done putting
1: because physics doesn't make sense any, to me right now. And this was and this was the thing where I was like, now I was really starting to get into it because it's like, OK, the impact of all these like the type of shot you're doing, the slope of the green or the the strength of the wind and everything, all of it was. So was producing such variable results that I was like, okay, actually, there's a lot of there's there's a ton of like finesse here mm-hmm. uh, that is going to be fun to build intuition for. But the other thing that was was fun was uh, it turns out I'm quite capable of being my own uh, like death spiral mechanic. You don't oh. need to add one to a game, <laughs> really. Uh, I could have
3: never guessed that. <laughs>
1: what, <laughs> Rob? Once I triple bogeyed. And like, fell like four strokes out of the lead. Uh huh. Mm. I started playing to get it back. Like, immediately, <laughs> immediately, it's like, okay, <sighs> couple bad holes there. So now, instead of accepting maybe I could be fourth, it's like, no, I need to be first again. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> oh it's God. like, there's nothing I saw about my golfer that indicated, because there's a character progression system. I I do think, like, if you dump stat points into like your driver, for instance, maybe you can get like an old school Tiger Woods uh, style, like able to actually aim it and control it while driving it like 320, 330 yards. Maybe you can actually do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, my guy can. not He has a he, he's like statistically average in in every metric. So like he can, he can drive the ball about 270 yards. And that's that's about where he caps out. Uh, if you if you leave out like a lucky bounce, and I'm sitting there being like, I need to make these greens in two, <laughs> <laughs> and and so now I'm over swinging oh on a day where like the cross breezes and stuff I know are like playing havoc, and so it's just hole after hole of like, oh shit, okay, that was double bogey, okay, well now I really <laughs> need to now I really need to play lights out, and. So, over the course of this round, from being in the lead of the tournament, uh, I plummeted so far that I failed the... Like, you are supposed to pass this. This is like tutorial tournament where it's oh. like, this is the start of your PGA no. career. All you gotta do is finish in the top 50. And I'm like, alright. I need to put some topspin on this baby God. and just loft it over this water hazard, and then I'll be on with an easy shot for birdie. Putting topspin on it shortens the length. Right. I the water. Wrong. The wind grabs it. <laughs> I watch it like it goes up. It's on the right arc and the ball just seems to stop dead in the air. Like it hit, it, it hit like an invisible wall and just plummet straight down in the water. Uh, so, yeah, I basically had the the tin cup experience uh, play, playing that and I'm kind of hooked is the problem. Like I haven't played a golf game uh, like in ages except for Outlaw Golf. And I was like, oh, I missed this shit. I missed, like, reading greens. And Mm -hmm. it is... The thing Lynx didn't have much of, because it was a much more primitive game, is, like, it it didn't have a sense of, like, it had regular shots, and it had basically chip shots. And depending on what club you used, like, a chip was a chip, and that it was just kind of, like, how far those... It was mostly a game of distance. Yeah. Um, Now this has got all those... All those those good <laughs> shots that people who know what they're doing talking about like a flop mm-hmm. uh or a punch or or, or things like that and that, that changes the arc of the shot and what you're doing uh in a lot of really profound ways. Uh and and playing around with all of that to to sort of like having having had a really good round and a really bad round, I kinda love the degree to which this was like Okay, you actually need to be thinking about like the tactics you're using approaching each each hole like those conditions those are your enemies you, that's mm-hmm. what you're facing that's the, that's the opposing lineup and the clubs you have and the shots you have those those are your weapons you need to like deploy them correctly and i like now na- like having seen that having started to come to grips with it i'm like okay well now i now i must master pga 2k 23 <laughs> rob completely golf pills we've lost him folks <laughs> So the problem is then when you
2: play it in real life you're like, well, I know that I'm supposed to use the 5 iron here, but I can't hit the 5 iron very far, so I'm just going to try and hit the 7 iron a little bit further and hope for the best.
1: I think there's a top golf coming here soon.
2: The top golfs are cool. They have turned them into brutally efficient money-making machines in a way that uh mm. we had an old top golf. The way the old top golfs used to work is that you just bought a bucket of balls and played at your own pace and when the balls were yeah. done you were done now the newer ones you just go up and you scan you like it knows your clubs so you just put your club down and then a ball pops up like ready for you to hit and okay. that's awesome but now you're playing per hour as opposed to per ball and i went one time with they opened up a new one nearest us some years back, and we went with the, I was like, "Let's bring the family. We'll bring the kids. We'll like rotate through." And we we're there for like four hours. Got the bill, and I was like, "Oh my god, i am never." Bringing Wait, how, my much is,
1: how much is how much is day top golf?
2: I uh, well, there were a lot of drinks involved. Like it was a yeah. very expensive bill. It was like <laughs> real sticker shock. But top golf is a ton of fun. Like it it is like uh, especially because if you go up to like the second or third level, it gives you so much lift on your ball. You're like, I'm crushing. 350 drives. I of gotta course. get out. I gotta go play golf, and then you do, and you're like, oh, it's a little bit different when you're on the top of a skyscraper hitting the ball.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I don't know, maybe, Patrick. Maybe you and I need to play a few rounds of PGA though. Maybe okay. that's the that's the halfway point. All is, right, is we we play a little PGA, uh, and then and then we take it to the tour. All right. I'll, I that's, will. I, I have
2: I have one. I have it in Steam. I just have to install it. I'll do that right now, just for you,
1: Rob. <laughs> uh, so the other thing I'm playing a bit of uh, is Sniper Elite Five,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and I am shocked how much I'm delighted by Sniper Elite Five because this has never yeah. been a series I particularly loved. Like, um, yeah, I mean, nothing against it. It just always felt like
2: it <laughs> what, was, you know. You know. Once a year, I see people post a clip of some uh, some nut sh- some sniper nutshots And ask, I go, "Is this
4: the game where the it it is. it'll show yes. you a testicle explode?"
2: Yes, yeah. yes. Do you want to shoot the testicles of Nazis? Welcome to Sniper Elite. Um,
3: yeah. <laughs> and you know what? If you don't, you should you should think about why that is. Well, think <laughs> so about why you don't want to shoot
0: Nazis in the
1: balls. That's on you. Because so the, the one of the very funny touches this game has is it has basically the heart from Dishonored, except it's your binoculars. You train your binoculars on enemies to tag them so mm, that they're yeah. marked on your HUD. And also you like sort of, you know, can see them on the map. And if you hover over them from it, first it just like marks them, then it tells you what their loadout is. Uh, and then it tells you something about them. And so now you can like, unfortunately, it tells you which people are Nazis and which yeah. people are like conscripts who just want to go home. And so you're like, it 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 is it is funny. You're sitting out there being like, all right, I'm just gonna pop these fuckers. Good. Time to time to die, Fritz. And then like one of them is like loved being in the Hitler youth, uh, is is happy, is happy the Nazis occupy France, actually. And you're like, all right, that, that guy's gotta go. And then there's one that's like, just wants to sad, Eric. Yeah, just just wants this war to be over. It's worried about his family, Uh, wants to go home to his dog, Uh, doesn't think we should be here. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, uh, you know, the one guy's got to go. But if you see him, you're going to have to go, too. So I'm going to have to I'm going to have to plan this carefully. But maybe I'll just shoot you anyway. Uh, You know, that's 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 war for you but it it, it has (laughs) you could not be a Nazi Uh, the the thing that the game is doing really really well though is that maybe because of its origins as like a sniper game but there's that problem uh, of you can be kind of an action game with shitty stealth or a stealth game that like is really annoying once, once it breaks out into action this I don't know if it totally solves that problem uh but it does have a it has a good sense of interesting things continuing to happen once you break cover, especially if it's accidental uh like especially if you kind of get if you just get caught or unlucky um at that point the combat is interesting enough uh that you're you're kind of you're you're back footed in in ways that are consistently interesting. So, like for example, uh, <laughs> so you have your usual choice of non lethal takedowns, lethal takedowns, etc. You can stash bodies because once bodies are detected, uh, you know guards will patrol it more aggressively. Uh, once you take out and 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 the maps are are huge. Um, non-linear open maps where there's like tons of side quests and side missions. Which is uh, new, right? This is not where this series started, right? No, but this is Uh, what it has become. Well,
3: I think it started semi-open. Like, by Sniper Elite 2, there were massive maps that you were pushing your way through. Sniper Elite
1: 1 was pretty linear, though. Um, But yeah, this one definitely has like an extensive sense of, okay, well, you just uh, stumbled across this like small headquarters that wasn't marked as an objective and once you were there you discovered that uh you know there's a resistance cell uh that is being raided uh somewhere else and you got to go like recover the materials from the resistance cell so so go find where that is and that's somewhere else across the map oh there's a huge artillery battery uh firing on on allied ships uh somewhere on this map and it's protected by anti-aircraft guns so go take all that stuff out and it's completely different direction from from where you were initially headed uh and every time you destroy like a major major objective uh the map basically goes to red alert and they begin uh hunting pretty aggressively and you will see like you'll get on the map your last known position is marked uh so you can figure out where they will be converging towards um i think all this stuff is variable with difficulty level you can I think really make this uh, tough by like going to, I think sniper elite difficulty or whatever, like basically turns off a ton of these aids. Uh, so oh yeah. I turn those like, off steerify feel. Um, but the cool, but, but the cool part of it is, uh, you know, once you are in that sort of ambiguous state where you aren't necessarily fully discovered, but they also, they do know you're there. Uh, you have a lot of tools to deal with things like, uh, for instance, so you can like, if a, if a if a if a Nazi sees you and you take him down with a silenced pistol before anyone anyone like hears the hears the fire, um, the odds of you having time to stash that guy, for instance, are really really bad. But you can booby trap the body so the next person who comes around <laughs> to like figure out like and raise the alarm, they'll come over and be like you know, uh, you know. <laughs> Hey, are are you okay? And then they'll get blown the fuck up, and you'll get a cool cutscene. <laughs> uh, the the other thing is, again, kind of because it's a sniper game, engagement ranges are really really long. Yes, and so you will have people start taking pot shots at you from hundreds of yards away, and since there's that you're against you versus the German army. They're gonna hit you. There's there's enough incoming fire they're gonna get you, but you're a sniper elite. <laughs> and so it's very easy to, when you're truly cornered, you get an awesome moment of you're basically the dude, at the end of same private Ryan up there in the clock tower, where you're just like setting ranges, like dropping guys right and left. But also like it's so satisfying, you're kind of missing the fact that you're heavily outnumbered and they're actually getting closer all the time. You're you're constantly like, dialing the range down. Uh and at some point, you you probably need to get out of this, but for the meantime, the more these guys you kill, the the easier it will be to make an escape. Uh, you know, because they won't be able to search as aggressively. I think one of my favorite bits was the first mission. Um, you're just supposed to kill like this SS officer, uh, who's like conducting raids in this French village, and you don't know exactly where he is. I stumbled into him effectively randomly. He wasn't like hiding anywhere. I ran into him on the street as as he was getting aboard his staff car. And I didn't have time to like set up a shot. I didn't even have a shot. I was like, I could see him heading to his staff car, but like I was on a lower part of like the village was on a hill. And so he was mostly screened off from my rifle. So I just decided to the hell with it. I'll just fling grenades up and over the bridge uh at up like up toward where he is and I like blasted the absolute like shit out of his old convoy uh and I get the little cut I get the little like slow-mo cam of the grenade bouncing off the eaves of one building blowing up in midair and like effectively taking his head off um as he's climbing into his car but the cool thing is they the cool thing that, is <laughs> they don't know where that grenade came from.
0: Uh huh. Nope.
1: And so they all start converging around the, the 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 site of his death, but they don't know where I am. And so I'm able to sort of like start continuing to ninja around the town uh, until randomly I get caught crossing the street by a truck that's patrolling through. Uh, at that point, I'm in this huge like street fight. Um, you know trying to trying to mow down half the half the german army and that sort of combination of going from cool stealth mode to like cool escape and evasion to full-on gun battle is really well carried off uh and like it consistently felt like whatever was happening whatever mode i was playing in it remained kind of interesting um (sighs) Especially when you have little wrinkles like, so this game does have some, it has some gun game affectations that I don't think fit really well. I don't think it has a really interesting, like, which sniper rifle do you want to use? I'm not sure it's actually that interesting to say which type of sniper rifle you want to use. They don't. I'm not sure they they feel meaningfully mm. different. If it, it feels like this is a game <sighs> where the, where the, the meaningful difference is the the broader archetypes of weapons you're using, mm. um, the 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 way you spec out your gear isn't that interesting. But the one thing I will say is is really cool is um the subsonic rounds because people will hear like yeah. if you're using a, a, a silenced weapon, people will hear the report of the bullet uh, if it's moving uh, at supersonic speeds. And that is audible. Uh, Even if the gun is quieter, people will hear like you're using a silenced pistol with normal rounds. If you're using subsonic. It's super quiet, but doesn't do a whole lot of damage and has very little range. And that's been way more interesting. So, Rob, how many of the different
3: rifles have you tried? Because i playing Sniper Elite 4. I've also been playing Sniper Elite 4 because it's on PS Plus and everyone's now. I'll I'll dip into that when I'm like tired at night. Uh, How many different sniper rifles have you tried? And like, have you been trying different? S- do you use the game's default sights for each rifle, or have you been uh, so set a sight that you like?
1: I have found it tough to do better. So I've I've done the 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 basics, right? The Car ninety eight, the uh, like the M nineteen oh three. But the one that's been tough to beat is the default one they give you. It's the British sniper rifle uh, that has like decent rate of fire, decent range, uh, and like it's. <laughs> it's it's closer to like a semi-automatic yeah yeah it, it fires a bit like a bolt action but it, it's not as slow a bolt action as like the car or the m1903 and like the fact that you can use uh like the default sites that give you have variable zoom up to 10x and down to like uh like 2x or something right. is absurd uh at which point it basically becomes like a battle rifle
3: that's really interesting because the default weapon in previous games was a lot more restrained. Uh, you do not have the variable sight at all. The sight is not at all variable to my knowledge. Yeah. The only thing you can vary is um, setting your range right. on the on the scope. Um, and I also uh, what difficulty are you playing on? You've been playing on uh, default. So I'm playing like sharp okay, Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. I was just wondering, do you use the Amos, do you do, you do use the uh, like a cyst reticle or
1: no? Um, so I think I need to turn it off because I think it's fucking me up. Um, mm-hmm. it's like, is this the reticle that pops up like when you're drawing down on a target?
3: The one that shows you the, the, tr- the, the, sc- the rhombus of where your shot is actually going to land based on wind and bullet
1: drop. Yeah, I am. But the problem is I don't like how it's, it's muddying the sight picture a yeah. lot um and it's it's that part is throwing me off a little bit because it is uh like when i'm trying to like draw uh, draw a target at great distance uh like hit a little spot that little rhombus is actually throwing me off because like obscuring what i'm trying to hit right
3: yeah i was wondering because um Again, I've, I've been playing these games and one of my like I turn that aim assist shit off and like there is nothing more satisfying than hitting a 213 meter headshot yeah. on an on an enemy sniper without that aim assist because they, it is just they like they draw the slope is... of the
1: bullet makes you feel like a fucking wizard. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. It's like that stuff has been that stuff has really been cool. I, I'm curious. I'm curious what you make of sniper Five because to me, that's the default sniper rifle they give you. It feels like it is there to make using your sniper rifle much less of a trade-off mm-hmm. and on the one hand like in fairness to them it kind of works like i'm using that thing in the middle of gun battles just to be picking off like random german troops in the street whatever right uh but on the other hand yeah it's it's like it, it you know it, it goes from long-distance sniper rifle to uh like effectively one that you are using at short range, um, you know, alt- alternating between that and an SMJ, and I'm not, yeah. I'm not sure how I feel about that, um, but you know, be like that's a that's quill. I think the the main thing they're they're trying to draw attention to is, is, of course, like just all the various systems you have for fucking with these, uh, like with these Nazis.
3: How much uh, route setting would you say you're doing? Like when you are approaching an enemy compound, right? Or like a, a new level, are you just going in or are you being like, okay, cool. I see that tower up there. And if I can take that tower, I can get a view of this entire map and figure out where I'm going from there. Or are you just diving in?
1: Well, the game even marks vantage points uh, where something will happen and will reveal some more stuff about the map. But uh I am I do tend to be I want to have a good. Uh, I want to know what I'm getting into. I tend to circle around and and, and try to scout the ground uh, as best I can before I go in. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I tend to have that more. Uh, lateral approach to objectives. Right. Got it.
3: I've been I was just curious. Have you had the experience of hitting someone and then basically playing a game of cat and mouse where they know you're there that they know you're there and you are truly just never being seen by them for long enough for a fight to matter. Because I think that may be my favorite thing of like firing a shot off enemies run to your position. You're already gone. uh, And then picking them off at a distance like that is where it really thrives for
1: me. Yeah, that stuff's like picking apart an entire like unit of Germans is really fun uh, in, in, in this game when when you are basically like drawing them from one position off to the next. Uh, That stuff is really, really fun. The thing that is a really chaotic element is uh, the invasions. So other players can invade your game and appear as the uh, sniper Yager, you know, the, the, the German counter sniper who's brought in to hunt you down. Mm -hmm. And the, the most chaotic thing that that the presence of the invading player does, as far as I can tell, is. Now, like when you're playing as the AI, you have full control over all the engagements, you know, you pick your moment, you you don't have you you're allowed to stay on your plan pretty, pretty effortlessly. When there is a player in the world hunting you and they have the same tools you do uh, as far as like, you know being a being a good sniper like being able to sort of like reason out like where you are and, and and cut you off uh the the number of times that i have found myself like the real threat has not necessarily been the player it has been that in the process of trying to escape the player or like shoot the player i just keep setting off alarms mm-hmm. uh and so like it's been i don't i don't know if it's good necessarily like the, the game felt It feels incredibly hard when your game has been invaded. Um, But on the other hand, the chaotic element that has taken on when you have a hostile sniper on the map and you're like getting quick glimpses of them and you're like, I think that's them. You take that snapshot and you you hope you got them. (laughs) And then you hear the fucking alarm klaxons go off again. And like now your position is given away and by the way you didn't get them uh you 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 missed the you missed the snapshot and now you know forget the enemy player it is the eight guys with some machine guns they're just hosing down your area uh that are that are your bigger problem and if you stop to shoot them the enemy player is going to get you cuz now you're you're just posted up and you're you're standing like a target uh it is so much fun and so hectic when that is all happening that like it turns into a really funny violent comedy of errors is is the way i would put it right where it's like all you want to do is break contact and escape and you can't do it because you keep having to stop and like kill another platoon uh and every time you do that the, the timer resets effectively and you're increasing like scrounging ammo off like you know whatever the dudes dropped when you killed them wait so is that uh, is that it's, like it's how
2: the encounter ends with either a surviving for x amount of time or killing the player or are you just talking yeah. about a timer for like the alarms to go away
1: yeah i mean yeah I'm talking about the like the, the patrol timer I'm not sure I like see. i i i do wonder if eventually the player just goes away in general it seems like it has been pretty like it seems like they spawned them fairly close to you right. uh and so i haven't i haven't waited out a player it's either it's been like either a kill or be killed situation what's the consequence of being killed just so' it's definitely not really any okay it's just uh, meant it's to be
2: like, a chaos element to just yeah you up. have
1: you have a right. save you just revert to okay uh, you know you restart before the the invasion you don't really lose very much do you get uh, anything is, for winning that is meaningful or is uh, it just job well done I think I, <laughs> the game is XP driven um, all right so like it like killing enemy player uh, I think is is great for that but so is like leaving a lot of unconscious uh undiscovered like troops around Mm -hmm. uh which has been the way i've gotten probably most of my experience actually is i'm i'm a you know if i see a big wicker basket and you know a lazy guard standing near it i have no choice but to choke him out and put him in that put him in that wicker basket right uh and the game loves me for that it's like hey great job uh you had 42 undiscovered undiscovered unconscious uh bodies on this map well done uh, here's like 10,000 XP and I'm like, great. Uh, I'm going to turn this into teller minds and the, and the game's like, cool. Teller minds are great. They are. So yeah, uh, that's, that's my new, like it is, I, I guess in summary here, here's the thing that's like kind of been a real surprise with this. Um, this is a lot of what I really loved about Deathloop. Yeah, And it's a lot of what I really love about Hitman. And without a lot of the downsides I experienced in both games. Mm. Like, there is there is a lot of, like, good stuff that Sniper Elite 5 is cribbing from about, like, like learning the map, learning the routines, etc. Uh, but also, it doesn't feel as rote, necessarily, as Deathloop got. And it doesn't feel as, like well you fucked up that solution to your, the stealth puzzle the way hitman can uh and you just kind of like fail out or you end up in a really kind of uninteresting gun gun battle uh sniper league kind of you know has interesting conditions that that follow failure and so i'm, I'm coming to this and i'm like it's not really five like low-key one of the best stealth action games in years <laughs> they're really popular. They just they're don't really good. get a lot
2: of mainstream coverage. Like, they're one of, like, many series like that where they come out, they're huge, you just wouldn't know it unless you are sort of invested or paying attention. But they've also gotten bigger and bigger as they've gone along. I know, like, t- the fact that I keep hearing about them over and over from people who get essentially Sniper Elite uh, converted, it's like, oh, shit, <laughs> these games are pretty good, actually. They're more than just... Because I think that a lot of people just have the the, the view that we have uh, of... You know, slow motion, nuts slow shot. slow motion nuts nut shots shot. yeah yeah right and and i think that betrays or seems to betray you know, i even feel like the they might have actually.
1: toned it down a bit in this game i feel like uh the destruction of of bodies that you would see in the earlier games has been toned down a little bit now it's more like you get an x-ray vision of a guy getting shot in the chest and it's like yes that that lump of of bone and and flesh uh, got shot. And he didn't like that, and he's dead now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't have that sense of Mortal Kombat fatality, where it's like, and now we're going to watch the bone shards rocket up uh, into the brain cavity. And like, there's there, it seems like there's less of that. Um, I mean, I th- there's still a little.
3: I think that um, part of that is. Um, it's just gotten bet the model is better right mm-hmm. like i think part of it is like they've just gotten better at modeling what happens when a bullet impacts a body uh such that it is becoming increasingly mundane because that is like violence is often a very mundane thing right and so i think that like the improvement to the model has made it more toned down as the series has gone on which i think is
1: good well and i, and I do think like the series origins have a bit in that like there have always been games like this that leaned on being like sort of shocking, uh, like the, the shocking in that way, uh, going back to the game, shit like Soldier of Fortune ages and ages ago. Uh, but I think Sniper Elite has has a bit of that in its DNA where it's like, yeah, like, look at this wild shit you're going to see happen when you when you shoot somebody. And that sort of masks the degree to which in a lot of ways it was a, a singular double A, like kind of almost like discount discount game uh in, in some ways. And now it very much does feel like oh the 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 production values are through the roof uh next yeah. to where the, this used to be. And now now it is in conversation with games that previous sniper elites couldn't really be. Uh at which point maybe the interest on on like foregrounding the look at these sick kill cams uh has also kind of kind of waned. Uh and and there's a willingness to sort of lean into it as this is the mundane what's interesting now is the uh you know stealth combat of it all right uh so yeah that's what that's what i have that's what i've been up to um i am fully a land of contrasts <laughs> well, patrick they're both about lining up yeah uh and planning perfect shots <laughs> and wind is a big variable Am I might difficulty level. i'm not sure ran right on my highest difficulty levels does wind does wind start oh, playing yes oh fuck god yes because for yes. me i'm just i'm just, so just counting for drop right
3: oh n- so i play on uh i think i play on a modified version of sniper elite difficulty so i don't have any of the aim assist at all yeah uh and i can't visualize i can't get the like visualizing targeting thing and yes bullets will go i'm having to aim like Three or four body lengths away from my target at certain yes. ranges, right? If I'm like firing at someone at 200 meters away, I am with wind. I'm like aiming like four feet, five feet to their to their right to actually like land the shot. If the wind is blowing to the uh, to the left, um, which makes the which makes landing the shots feel so fucking good. Oh my god! Like waiting for. The thing I've mentioned is the sound masking. I don't think you've, I don't know if you've mentioned the sound masking so far. I love the sound masking. It is, it is one of my favorite mechanics. So basically sound masking is a mechanic in sniper elite where when a, something will happen in the world that will mask the sound of your gunfire for people at certain ranges. If you fire a shot right next to a dude, chances are they're still going to hear you if a boat was passing by. But like, if you are like, 30 meters away, they're not going to hear that shit because they just heard the loud ass fucking boat in the water or alternatively the plane flying overhead for a strafing run or the generator that you kicked on and is now sputtering really loudly and now backfiring on the other side of the map. So they hear a backfiring generator and your shots just blend in. And so so much of like a really good stealth run of uh, Sniper Elite is finding those moments and being like okay cool how can i be in position watching my target when the sound is masked so i can fire this shot off take out this officer and then get away without anyone even hearing that i was here uh they just find the body and like that is a really satisfying feeling uh in sniper elite four i've been playing the early parts of this one mission over and over until i can get it right that was in italy where- right yes yeah where I'm laying on this beach and 200 meters away, there's a sniper in a tower. uh, And I'm just waiting for this Nazi boat, uh, or sorry, for this fascist boat to come around the side and push up next to me. So everyone hears this, (laughs) while also having lined up this really precise shot 200 meters away on this sniper that I have to get in one hit. Because if I fire it, that guy's two hundred meters away. If that bullet hits anywhere but a lethal spot, that guy will be able to shoot back. Because that bullet is going to be at a really slow velocity or at a lower velocity by the time it gets there. And it is like so, so satisfying.
1: Yeah. I'm uh yeah, I'm I'm fully I'm I'm fully bought in. Uh really shocked how much I'm enjoying this one. Uh and yeah, it's it, it's it's you know, it, it's it's catnip to someone like me, especially because it's like, yeah, I, I have nostalgia for the old school World War II shooter. Uh, they just don't they don't make them uh, like like that anymore. Uh, I also love the immersive sim stealth game, which uh, you know is a genre that waxes and wanes. But Sniper Elite is sort of uh, playing on playing on both, and I'm uh, I'm quite quite happy about that. Uh, do you want to take some emails before we call it a day here? Yeah. All right. Uh remember you can send us all your questions at gamingadvice.com with the subject line questions. So Patrick, mm. I remember uh you made some comments about like I sound like a terrible little child uh to to discipline. Um you need to get a load of this. <laughs> Ryan in North Dakota writes, <laughs> and Ryan, this is very brave of you tell us the story. You have to bear with me through the through the uh, salutation here. Hey, sexy babies. Rob <laughs> sure, talking bud. about circumventing hmm. his parents' punishments got me thinking about when my parents wanted to punish me by taking away computer privileges. I did not think I deserved to be punished in these specific circumstances, so I did what anyone would do I stole the router and hid it in the backyard. Oh my if God. If I couldn't use the computer, Nobody
4: no could. Wow.
1: My parents were less than thrilled. They took away all my entertainment and confined me to the house until the router was returned. They had locked me out of my computer, but not the family computer in the living room. I obviously couldn't just use it right in front of them, so I did the logical thing. I went immediately to sleep when I got home from school and woke up at midnight so I could play games on the family computer all night. Each night, I would emerge from my room when the moon was high, creep into the backyard to retrieve the router, and play World of Warcraft until what around a piece 6 a.m. This is
3: actively When I saw the evilized. sun coming
1: up, I'd return the router to the shrubbery and get ready for school. This went on for... I'm, I'm with you, Patrick, but listen, this is the part where I'm like, okay, hang on. This went on for two months. Based. in which my parents and i did not speak what? one day they sent my brother to tell me that if i returned the router we could pretend this never happened long story short my family needs therapy ryan north dakota <laughs> Agreed. that's not Agreed. that is not the, yeah, the yeah layers, you're right the layers oh of unhinged shit i hear in this email but also what it's amazing the fuck?
2: not speaking to your child for two Penis. months all right, Actually, that's a, it, that's an L. I, yeah. But also, but also, doesn't sound like you deserve to be talked to. So I, I have, I got, I got, I got to admit, like once those kids are old enough to take care of themselves, go fuck yourself. Yeah, but, like, but the are, thing is,
1: I think once you're doing the, I'm going to engage in a battle of wills with my child that's going to go on for two. You've already lost. You're going to, to you're gonna yeah. lose so yeah. bad. Not only, not only have you only lost, but like it is possible that like some of this degree of behavior has been. Learned and is being <laughs> driven by the fact that like <laughs> this is this, this is the way our family uh deals with one another, and this is the this like it is it is wild. two months I'm, is
3: so long so long to not talk to someone you live with, you live in the same home as
2: i mean it's easy to imagine you you know school everyone's getting ready for like it's not actually not hard to imagine how you can but you have to purposely not cross paths right mm-hmm. like you can you can imagine a week or two awkwardly going between rooms, just sort of whatever. But once you've crossed, but I also can see how this isn't forgiving anyone involved in this, but once you've crossed like a month, like everyone's like, it's a stalemate. Like you're like, you're in the trenches. Like who's going to be the one to cross that line. Now it should be the parents. It should be the parents that is is on them. But
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Micah writes in Hey waypointerouskies. <laughs> mm, <laughs> what game bring back the whack pack, honestly. <laughs> uh, <Jesus. laughs> what what games would you recommend despite having an unresolved cliffhanger that likely will never be resolved? Fuck turfs, fuck capitalism, Micah.
0: Hmm. I don't know.
1: So I end it very easy. Uh I'm a huge fan of the darkness video games and the darkness 2 ends on the most like boy there's gonna be some shit happening in the darkness (laughs) 3 and then the darkness 2 did not sell particularly well and it just ends on this really like this this gut punch of a note but that being said i would always recommend to people like you gotta play like the darkness 1 at least and probably the darkness 2 because darkness 2 is like a really good you know, there's not enough games about having a uh, demon symbiote living inside your body uh, that allows you to True. do superhuman mm-hmm. and some mm-hmm. say with her- some would say horrific things. Uh, <laughs> but the, like the Darkness Two nails it like absolutely. Like I cannot believe nobody commissioned those devs. Well, I guess like that version of Starbreeze basically uh, imploded, but and a lot of them turned to machine games. Uh, but where is our where are Venom games? Because I think they I think they could do it. <sighs> It makes such
3: a good Venom game. Holy shit, Rob, you're so right. And let Tom Hardy do the voice. <laughs>
0: let him
2: bring him back. Those movies are terrible. I love those films. The Venom movie. first
0: movie.
1: The first movie is like fun. It's decent.
2: Yeah, the second the, movie's the bad. Second... You're only you're only there for the, the 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 only thing that's worth watching in the second Venom film is the opening when the, the uh it's just this it's a couple and they're trying to get along in the apartment and there's like a lot of really good comedy. That comes out of that. And the rest of the movie's pretty, pretty messy. Um like the easy one for me is Darksiders, because the original Darksiders ends with an all timer, all all your friends are here. Like let's the apocalypse is here, like the the other horsemen are here. Let's go. And they just never resolved that. They never will. That is just never gonna be a thing yeah. that happens. Darksiders is not a dead IP, but it is it is low stakes. It's never gonna get the budget and scale. Um for, for the game that I that I wanted. And the game that they promised, frankly, in the in that ending. The other one I can't imagine. So this is slight spoilers for Half-Life Alex. Not slight. This, this is spoilers for the ending of Half-Life Alex. So earmuffs if you. Is this earmuffs for you? Rob? Should I not do it?
1: We're close to PSVR 2. Okay. You can tell the folks. No, no, no.
2: I won't do it in specifics. I, I, will just, I will just. The way that ends. You go. You can't do this. Unless you're going to do. Another thing, I'll just, that's that is all all yeah. I will say. And especially given the links between, you know, revisiting that universe, that story, there are just certain things that happen that, like, look, I think a lot of Half Life fans just accepted, okay. Like the closest we got was that writer, you know, leaking the synopsis, yeah. essentially where that story was going to go. That's fine. I'm glad that finally got out there. Let's all move on with our lives. But you can't, like, you know, like. <laughs> Don't pick at a scab again <laughs> unless you have a plan for what's going to happen <sighs> next. Um, and that's and that's all I'll say As um, um, I I would be tr- tremendously frustrated if the Half-Life universe was not continue as someone that like truly loves that universe wants to see that at least concluded with what they were going towards. in in the episode games, That that's all I'll say without uh, ruining how it all plays out so that Rob can experience that for themselves, hopefully in the future. Rob's going to spend $550 just to play Half-Life Alex. And you know what, Rob? <laughs> Frankly, that game is so fucking good, I think it might be worth $550 to experience.
1: It's about, it's about experiencing Half-Life Alex, and also feeling like I'm driving a fancy car in my living room. Mm-hmm. That's true. You
2: get those two things, that's, that's, that's a worthy investment.
1: Uh, did you read this one about keyboard shortcuts uh, on my day off?
2: I don't think so. No. Uh, I, I, I leave the keyboard. I, I leave stuff like that alone if you're not
1: here so that there are, you can, you can partake. So please proceed. All right. So Jamie writes, dear crew, your dedication to the craft of building keyboards has been documented extensively. The commitment to ergonomics, productivity, and aesthetics is genuinely commendable. Yet. Why do you betray all of that hard work? Every day you are wasting precious time and even risking injury by not using your board to its full potential. Think about every time you move your hand from the keyboard to the mouse to select text, open a file, rearrange a word or two, save a file, browse your folders, etc., each time wasting milliseconds that add up. Then there is the stress of the repetitive and arduous motions of moving your arm. Before the introduction of mice ruined computers, folks devised various ways to make do with just the keyboard. Of course, what was the right way became the subject of the first internet flame war, Vi versus Emacs. Both were text editors initially created in the 1970s that used key bindings to perform macros to edit text efficiently. Although calling Emacs a text editor isn't telling the whole story, built-in functionality includes editing text, browsing files, reading news, sending emails, Tetris, and more, all without removing your hands from the keyboard. Emacs allows you to configure and mod it however you want. At its core, Emacs is an interpreter for one of the oldest programming languages, Lisp in episode 516 ren wished computers got stronger and not better and emacs is that reality i want to caution those who tend to overthink or easily distracted as it can be so much fun to mess with configuring emacs rather than doing productive work but i'm (laughs) confident that shouldn't be a problem for y'all if you want to fall down this rabbit hole as i have i would suggest looking at doom github link attached it provides a framework for customizing Emacs, so it's not as overwhelming. As a bonus, it uses the Vi key key bindings in Emacs, so you get to piss off everyone who is still arguing about them. Yours sincerely, Jamie. P.S. There is a built-in therapist should you need one. Her name is Eliza. So, I have definitely. To me, this is this is the call of the power user shit, right? Like, if the yeah. if you could just fully lean in to like. Learning all the shortcuts and learning how to make the computer do all the stuff without ever like moving your hand from the from the keyboard. That always seems like super 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 powerful and awesome, but the problem is it also seems like really really specific to whatever it is you are doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, like the mouse is kind of there to allow you like. You know, what I mean, like the mouse is it is inefficient for a lot of tasks, but it's decent at every task you can basically do on a modern computer. And this is, I think, what's what sort of kept me away from from this like layer of, of like having gotten a taste of this with like customizing sim controls. The thought of like having the sim control setup process for just like using my computer sounds miserable, but also kind of cool. Ren, have you have you ever considered like just fully leaning into? I am going to uh, be fully like jacked in and not even like touch the mouse because like I, I need the, the computer to behave at the speed of thought.
3: No, 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 no. My no. I think I think that I have the wrong kind of ADHD for this because like I love it when my computer goes the speed of thought when I'm typing, but like broadly, no, no, I do not need. I do not need a shortcut that boots and types in my password for steam. Like I don't, that, that isn't the life I need to lead. Like I I care a lot about my time. I don't care that much about my time. I'm, I'm good out here. The only thing that I need is my keyboard shortcut that does the M dash. That, yep. that is important to me. That is, that is a, a fundamental aspect of my life now because I love an M dash so much. It's, I think the strongest form of punctuation. Um, and so that is that is all i need
1: the m dash is the mouse of uh like modern composition really it's like it just enables you to do so much yeah it does it's true there might be something more specific i should use here but you know what the like the m dash is there and people know what i mean
3: It, it can function as a comma it can function as a parentheses it can function as a semicolon if you're feeling if you're feeling spicy. It can function as the
1: start of dialogue if you just finished a literature course uh <laughs> and you're feeling uh pretentious, which I frequently am. hmm Yeah. You're it's, frequently it's, finishing literature courses. <laughs> uh yeah, exactly. I'm a lifelong learner, Kato. Uh what, oh, we're always saying this. Yeah. My my highest aspiration is to be like the 50 year old dude showing up to college courses, and people are like, What's that guy doing here? And it's like, I'm just a member of the community. I love to learn, just like the rest of you, fellow kids.
3: Okay, but what about um, I'm, I'm auditing?
4: What about program-specific shortcuts? Like, are you actually learning things that you're using very often, or are you still going up into the menus to do things? Uh, that's
1: a good question. Um, so, the, I mean, in in a word processor, no, almost everything's being done via shortcut at this point, um, mm. except for like where I need to highlight text, of course. Yeah, uh, but beyond that no i'm 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 not using the for the conventional stuff i'm not using uh the menus too often but like for instance like caught on the very few occasions where i need to go like do some sort of like audio edit or if i need to go edit an image or something like that um i'm in the menus because <laughs> i'm like i don't right. know how to do this <laughs> right and so i'm like options help insert (laughs) and like until i eventually find what i'm looking for uh and i'm i am sure there are ways that like probably i keep finding the same three or four commands that i use again and again but i haven't internalized them
4: right right i think that it definitely has to do with like um how often i'm going to do something but i do like to learn the for the the regular things that i'm going to do uh the one thing is like i feel like I don't know, most of the programs and editing I do where I'm using a lot of shortcuts and stuff, I'm still always one hand on the mouse just because of the nature of what editing looks like on a a timeline. So it's really more like, yeah, I have to use shortcuts as well because... My mouse, my mouse is being pulled to do other tasks than having to go up and like click through a bunch of menus, right? Like, I want to be able to do everything on one hand on, on my keyboard. And I'm just reaching around the whole keyboard with one hand. Um,
3: just type in the timestamp you're going to. Bam. Solve, solved your no, problem. Type no, in the, exa- no, the exact no. timestamp you want the cursor to go <laughs> to. What, no. what if you had Jesus. a secondary
1: <laughs> macro keypad off to the left? Are a you secondary keyboard, head? yeah.
4: Like yeah, this one but over like here?
1: if you're non-mousing, you have a little this... macro keyboard.
4: I have a hundred. Oh, no, no, no. I'm talking
1: about like just like <laughs> a touch. F- I'm just saying like a touchpad with like, a bunch of little like bound macros. And there's this
4: buttons. one too. I have oh my god four um, keyboards. I found a I found a mechanical keyboard on the sidewalk. By the way, this this a uh, Ducky. Completely works. Tested oh, it out. Th- wait, what?
3: Yeah, that's like a solid. That's like a solid entry brand. Yeah, like, duckies are Ducky's are uh, like good. Got a right click.
4: It's not hot swappable, unfortunately, but
1: no. Kato with four keyboards, why are you always saying I have to plug stuff in?
3: Well, now I don't, because I found this on the sidewalk
1: over the weekend.
3: Literally over the weekend. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's fixed now. Find any any extra mice. Kato is typing, can now go on forever. It came with a mouse. It came with a mouse? What are you talking
4: (laughs) about? Someone put out a free box that had a ducky keyboard a logitech wireless mouse
3: and um oh uh what was hey joseph right. I'm going, don't listen to this <laughs> i'm going into batman detective mode to figure out what the fuck happened here it was a free did, was there, box? no i know how did th- how does this free box emerge is this just, is just someone a upgraded a full of
1: usb uh devices just out there for anyone to use.
3: I live I live
4: I live in an area where three blocks from me there are people rich enough that just put out good things because they've replaced them. Call it the rich street. I this, walk down it often to get free so, shit because they just so push shit just out. Like,
1: I was briefly convinced uh, by a well meaning but misguided friend that a mechanical keyboard made me happy, but it does not. And they fling it on the street. But Kato is coming along yeah. and is like, hey, cool, mechanical keyboard. Mechanical go keyboard. Like either that used. or they
4: just bought a new cuz this is this is an old ducky. This is like one of the first series and they're on like series 3 which is has hot swappable switches. Um so maybe they upgraded. It just got rid is gonna of it. roll
1: up in a Tesla. Be like, I, I found this
4: on the street <laughs> was like, it's, i would never buy one but i found it on the street like what are you just not gonna take a car i don't know like
1: doesn't i don't know how to open the the, the door to get out but like i don't know that will become an issue <laughs> yeah, that's uh, fine. i just turn the car off and eventually i'm released <laughs> uh all right well that will do it uh for for today's podcast uh like i'm gonna i'm gonna figure out where the rich street is uh and (laughs) and go and go and camp it yeah uh you can follow me uh on twitter at rob zachney uh ricardo where can people follow you
4: at a underscore Cotto underscore
1: appears patrick at patrick renata
3: at ren or raven
1: if you want more from waypoint you can follow us on twitter at waypoint facebook youtube waypoint vice Uh, You can read our work at Waypoint.vice.com. And thanks to Waypoint Plus, we've been able to have a bunch of fun streams lately. Natalie and I have continued playing through System Shock and discovering more wild things that game supports, like you have rocket boots at a certain point. Your character can just fly around. Was not expecting that, but it was a very cool discovery. Nice. Patrick is Night City's newest resident as he spends his parenting days off playing Cyberpunk. And Kato and I are experiencing some growing pains with Oberhoff racing on Motorsport Mondays. (laughs) And for our Waypoint Plus listeners, we will have a new sports pod for you this week where we talk about the most explosive offense in the NFL. And no, not the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm talking about the Chicago Bears, a.k.a. Justin Fields and friends. And hey, (laughs) all you manhunting fans should start dusting off your copies of Miami Vice to see if Michael Mann's reimagining of his iconic TV series deserves its rep as a regrettable misadventure. Or a work of misunderstood brilliance. If that sounds good, or if you just want more Waypoint, you can go to waypointplus.com. I don't know why I said Waypoint that weird there, but I feel like it, it came out wrong, and then I was just mm. in it, and I was committed, and it just it just came out. But, like, it's Waypoint, not like Waypoint. You can go to waypointplus.com and subscribe. Not only do you get access to our premium feed, but you're also helping support Waypoint and everything else we do here. Sometimes the words <laughs> really just start to sound weird to you. Yeah. And if you just want to... Road. If you, if you want to go beyond uh, support and graduate to outright zeal, go to waypointgeneralstore.com and buy some of our fine Waypoint merch. Uh, be sure and pick up our sixth anniversary shirt, celebrating Waypoint past and present. Our theme music is by Bowen. The track is Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. Learn more at waypoint.zone. For now, we're calling time on this Tuesday. We will talk to you again on Friday. Until then, fuck capitalism. Go home.